So, we're doing a series. We started this morning, Courageous Faith. So, I'm going to quickly just lay the foundation again to get us back on track in case you forgot. Back into Hebrews 11, we'll read the same scripture and then we'll go in a different direction. Uh, so, let's just, we'll get straight into the Word of God. You got a Bible? Awesome. If you don't, it'll come up on the screen. And there it is right there. So, let's lay this foundation again. Now, faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders attained, obtained a good testimony. By faith, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Can, can we all just, that is a great scripture. By faith, so by faith we understand. My understanding comes because of faith. Without faith, it doesn't make sense. Without faith, I don't understand. How, how, how can I understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God? In other words, a God that I can't see spoke words and His words caused creation to come from nothing. In other words, something came out of nothing. But how that, that makes, in my natural mind, that doesn't make sense to me. But by faith, when I get, when faith comes alive, suddenly when I've got faith, suddenly I, got, I understand. Suddenly now I, I get it. Oh, I've lost my, can we put the, the scripture back? I feel, there it is. So we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. The Bible also says that we are created in the image of God and in his likeness. In other words, we have the same ability, the same capacity to speak words by faith and create. So they were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen, the things which we now see, the stuff I can see, the stuff I can touch, the stuff I can feel was not made by something that I can see. The things that we, what we now see wasn't made by something that I, that, I, that I can see. The things that you've got on the inside of you, let's call it the imaginator. Who's got an imaginator? 14 people have an imaginator. The rest of you are going, what is he talking about? What is an imaginator? Uh, I watched a Facebook video, and you know if it's on Facebook, it's, it's truth. So, uh, it and basically, it was a guy that worked for Disney, and he said, um, I am a, an imagineer. That, that was his job. He was an imagineer, and I'd never heard that term before. So he explained his job. He said, my job working for Disney, I hardly just talked about it. He says, my job working for Disney as an imagineer is to imagine new rides and then make them. He said, so we worked on one ride for 15 years before we finally released it to, so there are people at Disney, <laughs> full-time imagineers paid to sit in an office all day using their imaginator to imagine things to create for people like us so that we can go there and take our kids on and they go, that was the best thing ever. And I just thought, and so this is the other side of the story is that um, uh, when we, I got, we got married at 20 and uh, it was kind of like uh, my teenage years were a little rocky. And so when we got married, I said to, said to Cindy, okay, you know, we're, we're going to get married and we've got to start going to church and I want to get things right. And, and part of that is I, I feel like we need to move to New Zealand and She'd never been out of Australia, so it was kind of this big, big change that now we're, we've got to get married, we've got to get a life right, we've got to go to church. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then as early, um, you know, 
love and marriage and getting to know each other and I don't know why, I've, just, I've got the hand movement, it's just like, I'm, just, I'm trying to make it sound like that first 12 months is over and the second two years and then, you know, you're into four, and then you'd like think, oh, just, let's have a kid and the kid's going to fix everything and, and then like, you know, you have another kid and, and so as, as time goes on, um, I, I, it took me a long time, I did learn some things about her that were different to me and one of these things, we'd go on these like family outings. So we might go to a park or we might go to a restaurant or we might go somewhere. And then after the initial event, you know, we'd, we'd get back in the car and, um, and I'd notice that she wasn't so happy. And I'd be like, you know, I thought, we just went to the, it was good, wasn't it? And she'd be like, it was all right. But what, wasn't it good? I thought it was good. We had a good time at the restaurant. It was a nice restaurant. And she'd be like, she, she came up with a statement, she goes, it's just not, it's not how I imagined it. So she had this idea in her mind that we'd take the kids to the park and that um, the kids wouldn't go on their phones and we would just talk as a couple and talk about how much we loved each other and the kids would just play nicely together and they'd be pushing each other on a swing and <laughs> like, and it would just be like this happy family, but then we'd get to the park and like, I'd be on my phone doing something and the kids would be arguing and fighting and then we'd jump in the car and she'd be like, this is not how I imagined it. And I'd be like, like you, would, you imagined this in advance? This, do you do that? And she'd be like, yeah, well, I'd thought that it was gonna be like this, but when it wasn't like this, it's kind of disappointing. And so I figured something out. I, had to, I figured out that I had to start asking her because she's got an imaginator I had to get inside her imaginator to figure out what she'd imagined of a point so that then as the husband, I could try and make the imagination come to, come to pass. So I had to figure this out. And so I just, as we're on our way somewhere, I'd be asking her a little question. So, so how, have, how have you imagined this day going? <laughs> what were your ideas about today that what were some of the things that you were hoping to, you know? And she'd just let, oh, well, I just imagined that we would. So I would try and make sure that those, those moments happen. And it's helped our marriage. And it is 18 years later, we're still together because I figured out she's got an imaginator and I can make all her dreams come true. <laughs> yes. We'll leave that right there. <laughs> all right. Let's read a scripture. Okay, Luke chapter 22, verse 54. And like I said this morning, at the end of this, we're gonna spend some time praying and believing for the impartation of faith. Uh, I really felt like this morning, like Nat said, we got, we got to a point and then it, it, it's there, but like what we're talking about, like faith is a substance. And, and unless we've got a context, unless we've got unless we've got something that we're heading toward, that we're trying to, it's kind of like, well, what, what's the point of talking about it unless there's gonna be some kind of, kind of action? So one of, the, um, one of the scriptures was mentioned this morning was about the, f- uh, the four friends that took their lame friend to Jesus. And tonight in worship, I felt like God say to me, you're not talking to the guy on the stretcher. Tonight you're talking to the four friends that are carrying the lame, the lame person. I feel like, you guys tonight, you're, the, you're not the people laying on the stretcher, you're the people carrying the stretcher because you've got some faith. But I feel like tonight we're gonna go to a new level and I love what Dorian was saying, that it's a new day. 
It's a new level. Faith is going to be the key that's going to activate that new day. So in this um, passage of Scripture, in Luke, uh, it's the story of when Jesus is arrested in the garden. Uh, And let's just read it. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Uh, That scripture back in verse 54, but Peter followed at a distance. I always thought that was a negative thing. But I went through a season in my life where I realized there are some friendships that I need to distance myself from. And this kind of sounds like this could be uh, a funny thing to say that, G- uh, that Peter followed Jesus at a distance like that somehow is a positive, a positive thing. The reality is if, if Peter didn't follow at a distance at that point in time, he possibly would have been killed too. There was more things he needed to achieve. So that wasn't his time, that wasn't his hour. So in that setting, that, that, uh, that moment, following at a distance. So now when they'd kindled the fire, they sat down, Peter sat among them. And a certain s- servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looking or looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not, it got worse for Peter, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned, the Lord turned, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. You gotta understand that Peter was one of the most faithful, the most passionate, the most zealous, right through the whole story of the disciples following Christ. Peter was the guy that put his head out. Peter was the guy that walked on water. He got out of the boat. Peter was the guy that said, Jesus, if you get killed, I'll be killed with you. If they try and arrest you, I'll be arrested as well. Jesus, I'm going to be with you to the end of time. The others might fail, but I'm not going to fail. Jesus, you you may not be able to count on the other 11, but you can count on me. I'm going to be there to the bitter end. This was Peter's statement. And even to the point that it ticked the other disciples off. They thought, this guy's so full of himself. What about us 11? Are we not any good? But you got this Peter, he's vocal. There's one point where uh, Jesus says, you know, who do men say that I am? And all the disciples are muttering amongst themselves, oh, we don't really know. Is he a disciple? Is he Elijah? Is he John the Baptist? We're not too sure. And Peter, once again, Peter comes up with the statement, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living. Like once again, Peter gets it right. It's like, Pete, he's a legend. And then they get to the garden. They're in this garden where Jesus is about to be arrested. And Jesus has told Peter the whole time. He said, like, this is gonna happen. And like, Peter's kind of in denial about this moment actually happening. And so when it does happen, it says that uh, Judas brings 
the, the soldiers and they come and, and Judas goes up to Jesus and Judas gives Jesus a kiss and that was a sign that Judas had said to the soldiers, the person who, whom I kiss is Jesus, that's the one that you need to arrest. So Judas walks up to Jesus, gives Jesus a kiss and the soldiers come and they arrest, and they arrest Jesus and in that moment, Peter, he's got a sword. He pulls out his sword and he cuts the soldier's ear off because Peter's ready for the fight. Peter's ready for the battle. Now, I don't know why the Christian brother was carrying a sword and trying to kill people, but he was so fired up that he was gonna do whatever it took because Jesus, I am with you to the end. So passionate, I'm so in, I'm so, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna commit. I'm, he's like, oh, he's saying all this stuff. So then Jesus is like, no, 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 Pete, you got, you got the situation wrong. So then Peter now has to watch and he has to watch Jesus get taken. So he figures I'm gonna follow at a distance because that way when he calls on me, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be ready. Because at any point, Jesus is gonna want us to rise up. You know, he's gonna want us to fight and I've still got my sword. <laughs> I've still got blood from the guy's ear on and I'm ready to go when the time comes, I'm there. But he's following at a distance and then, and then he begins to, kind of see this, this violent beating, you know, like the crown getting pushed into Jesus' head, like pushing this crown into the head of Christ, blood starting to, then like the whip on the, and this whole Jesus' back is all opened up. And so Peter's like watching this. At one point he's, so committed. But then now, he's having this moment of, this is not like I imagined it. This is not how I saw it going down. This is way more violent. This is way more personal. I was uh, talking to a guy once and he started to tell me about uh, different preachers and so he started to explain different preaching styles to me. And he was saying, oh yeah, this guy, he preaches like this from these scriptures and he does this, this and this, and that's why his church is good. And this guy does this and that's why he, it's working for him. And, and, this, and like, as the more this guy talked, the less I liked him. And um, I was thinking, you're, you're trying to water down, you're trying to undo someone else's faith steps, what they've had to walk to by explaining it in a way that makes it seem that it's just, like that it's just easy. It's not easy when it's your turn. It's not easy when it's your turn to step out. It's real easy to read the Bible because we get to read the end of the story. It's real easy to read the fact that Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and, and we know that it worked. He actually did it. So I would have done it too, because I, because, but I've seen the end. But let me tell you, when it's your turn to step out, when it's your moment to step out in faith, let me tell you, it's not gonna be like you imagined it. You're not gonna know the end of the story. You're not gonna know if it's gonna work or not. There's gonna be no, there's gonna be like no big yes, this is gonna work. You gotta walk by faith. You gotta start stepping out by faith and your little situation will be unique to you. And it won't be like you imagined it. And you could fail. 
and you could mess up. And in one sense, Peter kind of failed from his original thought on how it was gonna be, on how it was gonna feel, on how it would feel for him. He failed. So he goes away and weeps bitterly. And the Bible says that some days later when Jesus died and resurrected and has come back to life, that he meets with Peter and he restores him. It's like this, uh, Peter got so discouraged that he even went back to his old job. He says to the other disciples, well, I'm gonna go back fishing now. This whole following Jesus thing, it just did not turn out like I thought that Jesus was gonna set up some kind of kingdom and I was gonna sit at his right-hand side and we were gonna be friends and we're just gonna take over and we're gonna kick the Romans out and it was gonna be awesome. And none of it's happened. And I don't know where he is now and I'm gonna go back fishing. Who wants to come back fishing? Some of the other disciples, we'll come back fishing with you. And so they go out and they, says Jesus meets them on the beach. And it's like this moment where uh, Christ has to meet with Peter again. And you know, Peter doesn't wanna face him. Peter doesn't wanna talk to him. It's kind of like head down. And Jesus says this thing, he says, uh, Simon bar Jonah which means Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? In some passages further back, Jesus had said to Simon, he'd said, Simon, you're no longer Simon, you're Peter, you're a rock. And now at the end of the story, Jesus is calling him Simon again. So in one verse he's saying, I've changed your name from Simon, which means like a reed, it means like uh, wavy and moving around. At one point he says, I've changed your name from wavy and unstable, I've changed your name to rock, I've changed your name to solid. And then toward the end, Jesus reverted back to saying, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? So what's happened? Has Jesus taken back his original statement? No, but Peter had gone back to his old self. Peter had retreated to his old way of doing things and therefore retreated back. And what he needed, he needed to spend some time with Jesus to hear those words again, do you love me? And Peter says, you know I love you. He says, look after my people. And he asked him three times, three times Jesus denied Uh, Sorry, Peter denied Christ. Three times Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? He needed to get his faith back because life hadn't turned out like he had imagined it. And in that moment, he'd he'd lost his faith. He'd lost his fight. He'd lost his fire. He felt like even Jesus had given up on him which is why Jesus comes back and goes, I haven't given up on you, buddy. There is so much boldness. There is so much faith on the inside of you, but you've retreated back to your old self. But let me tell you, that's not who you really are. You're still the same Peter. You're still the same rock. You're still the same character. You're still the same strong guy. You may have retreated, but you need to spend some time back with Jesus again and let, that, let those words, let those words of Christ start speaking life back into your soul, back into your spirit, because some of you, you've moved back into that old way of doing things. And that's not who you are. 
Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've been through, mistakes you've made. He is always gonna be that guy that is gonna speak life back into that person that, in the future of the person that he's called you to be. And so here tonight, I'm not speaking to the guy on the stretcher. I'm speaking to the four people that are carrying the stretcher. You're walking along with the stretcher and I really do believe that for C3 Silverwater, it is a brand new day. And I'm not just saying that. I feel like here tonight, the Spirit of the Lord is gonna get inside your heart and is gonna reveal and, and reignite some dreams and some desires that you've got on the inside of you that you might have put aside. You might have said, no, it's too hard. It's, it's impossible. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I've got what it takes. But I'm telling you, you have. So can we all stand on our feet here tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I really feel like here tonight, something is gonna shift and change in your heart. I want you to engage faith. In the next few moments, we're gonna stir ourselves up. Pastor Leon was doing such an amazing job in the pre-pump service, talking to us about getting pumped up, talking to us about stirring ourselves up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Is the band? Yeah, they're, they're good. They're coming. Thank, I, wanna, I want us to think about that. Faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Faith is the tangible evidence of the things that I'm hoping for. Faith is the thing that I can feel. Faith is the feeling that I've got on the inside. Faith is this feeling, like I said this morning, of absolute confidence that the thing that I'm hoping for, it's gonna happen in Jesus' name. The thing that I've been worried about, it's gonna move out of the way. The, the ocean that's been standing in front of me, that ocean's gonna part. That giant that might've been trying to intimidate me, that giant's gonna come down in Jesus' name. On the inside of you, the Bible says, greater is He that lives in you than he that is in the world in the name of Jesus. So greater is he that is on the inside of you here tonight. The great power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've fallen. It doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. It doesn't matter if you've felt like, you know, this is not how I imagined it. The power of God is gonna move in this house tonight. Fresh dreams fresh life, fresh power in Jesus' mighty Name, fresh vision in the Name of Jesus. Clarity of vision is gonna come into your heart and come into your eyes. You're gonna see new visions and new possibilities of, of whole new areas and different ways you can serve, different ways that you can keep getting that person to Jesus. There are people that have not yet met, met Christ and God is relying on you. Guess who it was who stood up on the day of Pentecost? The very person that had given up on himself, Peter. He was the guy that on the day of Pentecost, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit had come upon the church, it says, and Peter stood up. The very thing that the devil meant for his bad ended up turning out for his good. The thing that he felt like he failed and like I'm no good, like I can't, like I've had to go backward. Jesus said, that very thing that you feel like you've failed in, right here, right now, tonight, in the Name of Jesus, the thing that the devil has tried to destroy you, has tried to take you out, has tried to make you get intimidated by the devil. I command every demonic spirit, I speak into this atmosphere tonight, fresh life, fresh power, in Jesus' mighty Name, that there would be an anointing in the 
this place that would break off every yoke, every bondage, everything that has tried to stop us in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I pray here tonight that we can stir up faith in this atmosphere, faith that can move a mountain, faith that can believe for the impossible. In Jesus' name.